You're listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast. I call on the guardian of the East, Raphael, element of air. Come and be welcomed. Call upon the guardian of the South, Michael, element of fire. Come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the West, Gabriel, element of water. Come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the North, Uriel, element of earth, come and be welcome. And we are your hosts, I'm Kelly Hauk, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in West Sedona, and also Heart Space Retreats. And I am Priscilla Hadway, founder of Sacred Remembering Sound Healing in Sedona, Arizona, and ascensionprovisions.com. I'm Matthew David Cummings with Above So Curio and Purify by Fire. And I'm Anna Marstanovich with Heart Space Retreats in Sedona and also High Desert Healing, Massage and Bodywork. So today we will be talking about creating sacred space. So what is sacred space? Sacred space is any space that you set aside that is sacred or holy, It's a place where you can meditate, do magic and ritual, and a place to connect to your higher self. This might look like an altar or it might not. Today we're going to be talking about several ways that we create sacred space for ourselves. So who would like to begin? Well, when I think of sacred space, it's, you know, what who decides it's sacred, right? I think we can make anything in our life sacred, every space, every moment, any object that first that has to start with the intention that we set for that object and that energy carries through that object space or experience. So I think we can set that intention for different intentions for different spaces in our home, in our work, I know, you know, people try to create their cars as sacred spaces too, that there's really no limit to what you want to create as sacred space. Yeah, you can have sacred space in every room of one of us, your desk at work or wherever your imagination can make a sacred space, I guess. And there's, you know, innate places, um, there's an innate energy of different places as well, right? And so all of us living in Sedona, we all have that idea that Sedona is innately a sacred space, that the energies here, the ley lines, the materials and the earth here, you know, create different energies, different magnetics, different vortexes. But I think the other layer of that is all of the, is us choosing to acknowledge over eons that this is a sacred place and that those intentions create this additional layer, you know, into the land that makes exponentially more sacred. So you could have that. I mean, each culture kind of has that or anywhere you live, each city, country, or, I mean, you think of the Middle East for, you know, Abrahamic religions, that's Israel's a huge sacred space. You know, people take trips there to go visit it for that specific reason. And that's why they, you know, built churches. You know, traditionally they would build churches over spaces where there was already some type of spiritual practice or component being taking place in that space as well. So there's just a lot of layers to it. So it doesn't have to be a specific place, like you said, whether there's an altar or not. It's just creating intention in a space and helping it serve whatever you want it to serve for you. Yeah, and you mentioned intention. It doesn't necessarily have to fall on a ley line. You don't have to live on a ley line. Um, I think intention for me is really important, specifically in my work. I like to come in with a, um, a specific intention. Um, not necessarily to heal, but to be of the best good that I can to serve each of my clients with um, and to make the space sacred for them, to hold a sacred space for them. That's what we talk about, holding space, right? Uh, we talk about that in the healing community a lot. And I think that's that's really important as practitioners. 
That's all. I mean, you think of sacred space, like we're, we're, we keep repeating sacred space, but in all actuality, it's just a, a, a place that you set aside to, to keep a certain intention, I guess. So it doesn't even have to be, I mean, it could be like your favorite place to sit somewhere, you know, as long as you're, you're keeping that place, you know, for that time for yourself, that intention, that, that quiet time or introspection. Right. Unmuddied with like a pile of laundry right, or yeah. whatever, whatever else the intention is not, you know, for that space. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So it's our awareness of things that make them sacred or holy. Mm -hmm. That that's you know it's our our awareness that holds that energy for that space. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an altar or anything like that. It could actually be your entire home. Um, for me, since I am a spiritual practitioner, a lot of times I will find that when I don't set up my house as a sacred space, I tend to take home my work with me. And you definitely feel it. I mean, I feel very tired and run down afterwards. And so until I start creating the intention of making it to where my house is my sacred space, and the moment that I enter in through the door, it leaves behind whatever happened throughout the day. And so that's just basically checked at the door. I also decorate in a certain way to hold energy in the house and make sure that the energy is always moving so that it keeps that sacred space flowing correctly energetically as well. So that, that brings up, you know, when you're creating that sacred space, you know, it, it's a place to become separate from your work, like you said. So it would be creating a line or a boundary or, uh, you know, even as far as making, you know, specific wards to, to keep out certain energies or, I mean, you think in Japanese culture, they have like the archway, you know, that's like separating, you know, sacred space from, from the rest of the world that, that you're entering into, uh, like essentially another realm, um, that is completely separate from everything else. I'm not familiar with the archway. What is it? Uh, you know, I can't remember what it's called. But if you saw a picture of it, you know, you would, I, I, yeah. Oh, okay. What's the purpose? Uh, it's kind of like a, the gateway, or um... see, I don't want to. I don't want to misinterpret <laughs> it exactly. But I know, uh, like at Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, they have a gateway where before you enter into any of the uh, yoga practice rooms. Um, so it's a place where you're leaving all other things behind and your intention is to only focus on your practice. And, you know, they actually constructed the, the gateway within the outside of the hallway. So, and it's, it's right in your face. I mean, you can't deny that you're stepping into, um, you know, a, a sacred area. And uh, I, as far as I know, that's kind of the intention behind it. I know there's a lot more to it than that. That's kind of the, uh, the westernization version. Um, but yeah, I wish I could remember what it was called. Well, and there's a lot of clues that we have, you know, in our culture, like the idea of creating sacred space doesn't have to be just a spiritual idea. Like there's a lot of things that we've adopted, you know, throughout time that come from ancient practices that, that, you know, did those things. A lot of traditions that carry on that people don't specifically say, oh yeah, that's so that I can create some type of energetic boundary in my home, right? Or, you know, there's common plants you can put at the entrance that um, can create a certain boundary or energy, some type of protection. But there's also those mental and emotional cues, like walking into a space that's beautiful, how that impacts you. You're like, oh, I'm somewhere different. Yeah. Therefore, I change. Therefore, I change the way I'm behaving. Maybe my thought patterns kind of shift, you know. And so, you know, walking through a gateway, having fences, having, you know, a welcome mat, right? Like that shifts the energy yeah. between. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. 
I was gonna say, okay, any of us switch off something. I just want to share it. I'm welcoming. Thing is, welcome. Go away. Turn back now. There are mats that say go away. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. And so just a lot of a lot of things that we as humans, as ritual ceremonial beings innately are doing already. You know, there's probably already a lot of practices that you have that are creating an intention and an energy in the space that you're already in. And so having that awareness and and, you know, some of the things that we'll talk about just kind of bump up, you know, the more present and aware you are with more powerful I think Catholicism is actually a pretty good example of putting those things into into practice. I mean, you you when you enter into the church, you know you you there's the the holy water you know that you use, or you make you know the the symbol of the cross, yeah, cross or um, kneeling before you get you know before you're seated into the pew or whatnot like that, and. Um, so yeah, those are thing, all things that you kind of take for granted if you're in that practice. Um, but it's all intention based and very specific. Yeah. So we talked about the natural energies of space, which goes into feng shui, right? That's one of those practices that says, okay, there's a natural energy in your space based on the way it's constructed, yeah, the direction it's in, the geomancy. Yeah. I can speak to that a little bit. Uh, I know for myself um, and and my significant other, um, any place that we've ever lived, um, we make it a point to find out which corner the uh, marriage corner is. And um, ideally, it's uh, where your bedroom should be. Um, but, you know, if you ever tried to buy a house or live in an apartment, you don't have control over those things. So... Uh, we have a little wall shelf altar that we that we construct and and place in that area wherever we live. Um, I, I'm not sure how effective it is, um, but you know we're still together, so maybe the intention is yeah, there. The intention is there, yeah, um, for sure. And the mental cue too of you keeping that in mind makes you automatically more mindful of your intention to create your relationship as a sacred nurturing yeah. yeah and it becomes kind of yeah it, it becomes a, a mental note as well you know when I think about when I think about that space like the things that we have on there are are very specific to us together as well as individuals um, so yeah I can't even imagine not having that in our space somewhere um, yeah it would just be weird after all this time and, and just the, the connection that we've already created and that intention there. So yeah, even if it's not doing anything as far as marriage is concerned, just the actual intention of creating something like that. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be in that part of the house, I guess. Um, but the action is, is powerful. Yeah. And you're taking accountability. I mean, that's a lot of energy work, right? Is, is take it, be having an intention is taking accountability for the life that you want, the life that you have. That's really powerful. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a uh, spirit board. That <laughs> but what is that? Yeah, a vision board. There you go. That's long. Now they got that. How much that work? Uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Close it out. Close it out. Three times. think about it, creating something like that is very similar to just even the act of getting married because that's a whole ritual in itself. I know even just energetically for me getting married, it's like everything's shifted and it's very different from when you're dating. The whole ritual of just marriage itself changes you as a person. And um, I think creating those things in your sacred space, it kind of creates a similar intention where it is a form of like that unity together that you guys are creating together as that an intention that you're trying to keep within your space so that it stays bonded. Yeah, I think 
I think that's something that gets lost um, in modern day because uh, we're no longer creating that ceremony as a sacred practice. It's more of, you know, what we're socially conditioned to do or it's a, a status thing or, uh, you know, it's more of an expectation instead of uh, in entering into the sacred practice that's, you know, centuries old. And so when we're talking about shifting the energy of a space, you know, a lot of times people will use different objects um, to help amplify the energies that they're intentionally placing there, right? So these are things that hold that type of energy. They're things that can be recorded with a certain type of energy and if they don't innately come with the energy that you're looking for. And so these ritual items, you know, whether they're candles, statues, you know, different fruits, you know, people put different foods and things on different types of altars and in different spaces. What are some of the, you know, actual items that you guys use? in a sacred space of yours hmm. not fruits hmm well i think that would be more an offering you know what i've, I've actually I... heard of that what like lemons in a bowl that's no i do that well in a, in a lot of asian cultures they yeah. use oranges oranges are oranges in a bowl hmm. yeah prosperity abundance i use a lot of apples when i'm doing goddess work i use a lot of apples those are typically representative of the goddess the divine or pomegranate and yep and pomegranate <laughs> Yeah, and um, bread, you know, when you're looking for kind of sustenance, you know, kind of um, that like comfort and peace that bread represents, you know, having your needs met, things like that too. I use coins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I use coins. Yeah, I'll, I'll offer coins to my little Ganesh statue. <laughs> yeah, you can do my altar um, for abundance, yeah. luck, things like that. Uh, crystals, obviously, is an obvious one. Oh. Uh, those are the only ones I could think of on the top of my head. I use a lot of candles. I use a lot of candles, crystals, um, and items that remind me of specific beings. So I'll have on my altar, like, just little things. Like, I have a little Archangel Michael thing that I have up there. So, like, a statue or a picture? or No, it's actually sacred geometry. Okay. So I like a lot of sacred geometry, so most of the has sacred geometry. So... Which sacred geometry is like a physical representation of a specific energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's typically what I like to do. But I also like to put plants on there, usually dried plants, unless um, it's something for like a very specific being. Maybe I might do like flowers or something, but typically it's like dried plants that I tend to use. I, I also have um, little prayer cards for saints, depending on, you know, whatever patron saint I want to uh, draw in to my life. You know, there's a patron saint for everything, it seems like, now, nowadays in Catholicism. So I have a few on my altar, and I'll just kind of shuffle through them and put whichever one I feel like I need. Um, their guidance in my life at the moment, I'll put them on top and just kind of let their energy fill my my space at the moment um that's pretty low effort i feel like but that's that's what i do um other than that i really like to burn incense i really like to burn um palo santo i do like sage but in moderation i find sage to be a little heavy personally um so palo santo is my preferred method for clearing energy as opposed to amplifying energy um, what do you guys like to do to clear energy? I have a lot of selenite. That's something. Yeah. High crystals. I mean, everywhere. I have yeah, that grid same. around my house. Yeah. Selenite and black tourmaline and obsidian. Um, so all the doors and windows have selenite and either obsidian or tourmaline, black tourmaline in them. Um, so that's, and even for my own personal self, yeah, I have selenite chargers. And uh, I hold one in each hand, and that clears my own energy. Yes, we got to. I guess we can go back to what's 
<laughs> That's why we're asking you. Yeah, <laughs> the script already. And it has a really linear structure, right? So the idea with different shapes of crystals, um, you know, is how they direct energy through their crystalline structure, right? And so selenite can be found in a lot of different shapes um, for various different purposes. I tend to have a lot of the raw selenite that they call them staves. They're just really big, long bars of it that's that's not polished or anything like that. And that's what I'll set around. It's the most cost-effective way to get a lot of selenite yeah, in the staves for that's sure. That's the nice thing. Selenite's pretty inexpensive. But yeah, so selenite was named after, um, in ancient Greece, after Selene, the goddess of the moon. And so it's considered selenite and kyanite are the two crystals or stones that um, are considered self-clearing, that can clear the energy of other things. You don't need to set it out in the sun or the moon or in water or put it in the earth or anything like that to clear it. You can actually, you know, clear things with it. So... Um, it's a really nice thing to use around the house because you don't have to constantly dismantle whatever you set up and go and clear it. But it kind of, you know, it, it the way I see it working personally is like it, it draws energy in and, you know, through that linear structure. And then it just kind of sends it up into the air like confetti. It's just kind of like a wee, like it's an uplifting, joyful, you know, clear crystals. White crystals tend to be a little bit more of that uplifting clearing, whereas like black stones are absorbing energy and grounding it. And it gets cleared, you know, through through the earth that way. And it is a type of salt, gypsum, you know, as well, mm -hmm. part of its component. So Salt has been used in every culture, you know, since the beginning of time, it feels like. A symbol of purity, yeah. Yeah, it's used, you know, drying foods, purifying foods that way, keeping them, you know, safe and preserved, you know, through salt. So the oceans being cleansing, all those types of things too. Yep, so I have selenite everywhere, and I use that for a lot of things. I do also really love Palo Santo. It has such a pleasant, nice smell you know, to, to can be kind of a, a hassle to keep it burning out. <laughs> so if you've got a big space, that's a, get some shavings or something, you know, instead of the sticks. Or spray. The spray. I'm just going to say, yeah. To equal as effective. Although it is a recent discovery. So, so. <laughs> use over wisdom. So, smelling. What therapies came across this has been my whole life. The smell mm -hmm. of this. <laughs> so it's resin for aromatherapy. Right. So it's actually it's like very a machine or it's not, I mean, aromatherapy. It, it, machine. It's in yeah. essential oil bottles. Yeah. Distiller. Yeah. So they can distill, you know, some, some essential oils are like frankincense or, uh, copal or benzoin you know those are actual they get the resin from the tree by cutting the tree bleeding the tree out collecting the resin and then they just and yeah well, well i mean i was just saying it is it i mean is it something that you would use on your skin or is it something that you're putting in a diffuser or, or both are they both same sort of thing. Can you put all essential oils in a diffuser, or so it depends. On the so it means <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I don't. I don't like them either. Here, <laughs> I don't use them. I'm, that's why maybe I don't know. <laughs> you mean you don't want to put nine drops in something and then forget that it's there? Hundred years later, only four bottles. Which, which, I don't. Do. So, I don't do a lot. I'm using essential oils. I do diffuser. Diffuser. My God, it just left all of our heads at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, 
doing sprays. I have, there's a couple ways you can work with sprays. You can create your own by creating water and essential oils, you know, shaking it up and, and kind of dispersing it that way. But you can create water. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> can you not? <laughs> but there's also hydrolytes, right? Which is the water. Hydrolytes are the, when they do the steam distillation, you know, the steam creates the water, the condensation, and the oil, the oily substance, not actual oil that comes out of the plants, but the, the volatile components, you know, have an oily substance. So they like rise up to the top. So they skim all the oil for essential oil off the top of that. And reverse osmosis. And then the water underneath still has some of those components. Oh, okay. But it's not as intense. Gotcha. Cool. So that's what those are over there. Hydrolytes. So it's the water from the first distillation. So that's different from an essence then? It's just okay. the intensity. So the gotcha. energetics are the same but it's the intensity. So they still have a scent, you know, it's not going to knock your, knock you off, you know, like a essential oil would. And so that you can spray all over your body. You can spray it around a room. So if I'm doing, I put a lot of oils on my body to clear energy, um, but I'll put oils, like I'll dab oil. Doorways. Portals sneaking into my house, you know. Oils on the walls for that. That makes me think of something else. Is like making sigils for your sacred space as well. So, do you do that? Do you draw anything with the oil on your mirrors or things like that? If if anything, I usually go with the the typical cross. If I'm going to use a shape, yeah, uh, you know, just close it out. Yeah, that's always a good you know run 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 tune type thing. Defaults to cross oils or I work a lot with. Um, for for space, I work a lot with rue oil. That's probably my favorite cleansing oil. Oh, that's right. We have to go into rue. We have to. Yeah, that's right. True that. Let's hear all about it. it. It's too late Not now. We have to target. Look at this. Wait, at least we all have to put it on now. <laughs> It has, you know, a pretty herby smell. Like it's, you know, some it's a love it or hate it kind of a thing. But you definitely feel something is happening, right? This isn't gonna pass. It smells like the fertilizer aisle in Home Depot. It's accurate. <laughs> it's true. I actually kind of like that aisle. pull it out and whether you even just opening the bottle whether you actually put it on yourself or anybody else like just something about the energy in the room just snaps in a way that i've never found anything else oh yeah compared. it really shifts it entirely shifts so the history behind it is um that in the even in the middle ages they would take in the in the churches they would take rue branches dip it in holy oil and use that to splash huh. holy water and use that to splash holy water and bless the sanctuaries and different spaces um it's been used you know reportedly been used in exorcisms in the catholic church as well um going some records of that that are that are you know hundreds of years old and so I use it a lot for myself and for my clients for like clearing other people's energies. So that could be attachments, you know, that you have from other people's energies. It could be uh, entities, it just anything that's kind of, you know, ideas that are kind of lingering around, anything that you don't want that doesn't belong to you. So like that's a clear, good clearing the clouds. Yeah. yeah. But you have to, once you clear, you have to set an intention. You know, you can't just leave it open because then things could just... Ener energetic melancholy. <laughs> to note. So after I use Rue, I put something else on, you know, that that can kind of um, replace whatever was left out. I use it a lot um, in various different things. I mean, I do use it with clients as well, um, placing it on their forehead a lot of times, especially when I'm doing some pretty heavy energy clearing on people. Um but I found it to be a very effective um, spray, like a room spray. And I'll actually use it when I'm going and doing land clearings. So a lot of times I'll, I find that it kind of just pushes everything out so that I can 
work without being overwhelmed with everything that's happening in the space that I'm clearing. So it's very effective to use in a spray. Um, so I like to mix it with various different things. So I keep it in my treatment room in case I need it just as a room spray for if something just really gunky came up while I was doing an energy clearing with someone, um, especially extractions. Or if you forget to we forget to <laughs> take the focus off me. Um, but what I'll do is I mix it in with some distilled water and um, I just mix it until energetically it feels like it's a nice thick energy in it. And then I put some rose oil in it with it as well. And I find the two tends to really clear and raise the vibration wherever I'm spraying it. So that tends to be something really good, especially if you're living somewhere that, you know, the energy might just be a little mucky or you think you have a haunted house or something like that. That's a really good spray to use in that because it can at least kind of seal off the room for the time until you can get those energies cleared. Or just really tick them off, you know, if you want to. <laughs> They'll be mad inside your house. <laughs> Fair enough. And then it's up to you to create that, that border or to replace the energy with something else. So going back to, you know, taking that accountability for the energy that, that you have around. And you mentioned adding rose. So talk about the energies of rose, why that's something that you choose. Uh, rose I find to be a very high frequency type of plant for me. Um, I like to use it a lot on my crown chakra. Anytime I'm trying to channel or um, really just raise frequencies up, I use a lot of rose. I don't know what it is. It's been that way since I was a child. Well, it, it's it's the most associated with the angelic realm or heaven. It's Makes sense. The, the scent of roses. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even as a child, I would go and go to my grandma's bushes and pluck the petals of the roses because I always love the smell of it and um, she would get mad at me and she'd be like why are you killing my roses I didn't think I was killing them because I was plucking the petals off and my mom would just wash laundry and everything would turn red because mm. I would have so many roses in my pockets and so it's just always been that way and I've always found it to be something very effective on bringing me into my crown chakra and also something that really raises frequencies so I've always been very drawn to that yeah, rose, when you're working with essential oils, you're, you know, the same way when you work with animal energy, things like that, right? You look at what does this do in the world? And and then it gives a hint as to how it impacts you, right? Mm -hmm. So what do roses do? They bloom, you know? So any flowers are all about opening, about vulnerability, but they do, they they allow you to bloom in different areas. So like Lang Lang is, you know, blossoming or sacral chakra area, right? Creativity, pleasure, passion. They really love it, right? Yeah. Hyssop is, you know, opening the heart to self-love and forgiveness, you know, which are kind of the polar opposites. Well, not, they go hand in hand, right? You know, when you have forgiveness, then you're showing yourself self-love too at the same time, right? Um, and roses are opening to the divine. Mm. And and so that's why they've always been used. You think of Rosicrucian and all the, you know, all throughout time, roses have been the representative of divine love and divine feminine. Huh. Yeah. So that's what they do. They open, they share their beauty with the world. They share their fragrance with the world when they're open. Everything that was shadow inside of that rosebud is now allowed to be, you know, taken into the light. It's one of the most recognizable send. Think of how petals act when they fall the way back, right? They fold all the way back. It's huge surrender. Ooh. How do you guys feel about, and we're, I'm kind of switching topics, still on the same topic. Anyway, <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about dried flowers in your space? Because I've read some things that are like, you shouldn't keep dried flowers. Um, because it's it's old energy, you know, it's no longer alive. But then I've read other things like you should keep dry flowers because they represent, you know, so-and-so. Or... I personally don't resonate with them, but mm. I know Kelly really, really likes them. Very much, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not a dried flower person. I do like dried plants. That's <laughs> 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 really actually doing it around actual life plants. I don't know what it yeah. is. I do. <laughs> but, um, so. I mean, dead plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I can keep Kelly in full support of dry. <laughs> She's drying a lot of them. Yeah, you know, it's it it keeps gifting you plants. You dry the same prizes off you and you like dry <laughs> So but I, I like live plants because I like the I, there's a different energy to it, right? Same thing yeah. as like, you know, eating fresh raw food. Like mm-hmm. there is a different energy to eating a fresh fruit or a fresh vegetable than there is to eating something that's been boiled or dried or you know. Yeah, I love live plants. I have yeah. a whole greenhouse area in my house. Yeah. So I think it's your intention. I think it's, you know, whether you you think about something that's that's dried as is representative of preserving something. Or if you have something that's alive, it's more about, you know, that vital energy. Yeah. So that's my take. What about you? Well, that's exactly my take with it, too, is it's kind of more of an energy imprint mm. when I keep dried plants. Um, For attention. I yeah, yeah. I specifically do dried flowers. Um, that would be primarily what I use. So I keep all over the place. I mean, literally everywhere you will go in any of my spaces, you'll find dried lavender everywhere. Um so that's one of them. And then also rose petals, dried rose petals. I also keep everywhere. I keep it on my altar. I keep it in my room. I keep it in the office, everywhere. And it's holding specific energies for me. And, and it's I, just easier to keep dried rose petals as opposed oh, totally. to, you know, changing out roses. It's, like, it's not very cost effective. Yeah. Like, not very cost effective. Yeah, I've kept, you know, I have on one of my altars, I have roses from like something I was re- like a bouquet I received from my dad like you know like on a momentous occasion right and and so those were meaningful to me and I want them to hold that energy and so I do and every time I'm gifted roses I save one of the rose the mm. heads of the roses and add it yeah. into you know into that space as a way to to kind of maintain yeah yeah I I keep them from various significant memories too <laughs> and what was interesting is um Yesterday, I was receiving a body mindfulness massage from Nadine from the office. She's one of the practitioners here. And uh, I went into a full journey um, during that, and it was, wasn't was intentional at all. The point of the mindfulness was kind of listening to your body on what it needed. And um, what came through was very fascinating because um, it was totally... I say that to my higher consciousness in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, just talking about. You mean Nadine doesn't turn into something else that we refer to it as it? Huh. Um, about creating safe space. So it's interesting that this ended up being the talk for today um, because the message that was coming through was being brought back to memories of times when I was really, really young and. Um, feeling those moments of my dad showing up for me as being like a safe space for me as a child and then kind of showing you know given my history and background like how i didn't have that much later in life and it was my higher consciousness was talking about how creating like a safe space for people who may have had you know, hard times as children and kind of didn't really get a chance to have a childhood or have an opportunity to really nurture their inner child to create a safe space through an altar where you take bits and pieces of happy memories or things that just remind you of those memories and creating an altar with it. Um, It could be like little things like putting photos of family that did make you happy. Um... Or if it wasn't family, maybe even a pet or, you know, 
picture of the type of pet or whatever it was. Even little things like maybe going and finding like toys you really liked when you were a kid and buying it and putting it on your altar and doing that as a way to nurture your inner child and um, create a sense of like support that kind of subconsciously makes you show up for yourself. Yeah, it's like a an identity grounding yeah. practice. And it was very beautiful. It made me very emotional to think about. And like, I was kind of thinking in my mind as I was being shown that like, what I could put on my own like inner child altar and stuff and like thinking about putting like little rose petals and stuff and about the memory of putting them in my pockets and like just maybe going and finding some toys of actually my siblings and like putting those on there like Teddy Rockspin and stuff like that like finding that and putting it on there as like a marker of memory of times in childhood that were happy and just using that as a grounding energy of it and I thought it was a very beautiful concept and how much it's needed so it's like a, a positive trigger item instead of a, ne a negative trigger item. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's a great way of creating not just sacred space, but safe space, like you said. Yeah, for your inner child. Mm -hmm. oh. I mean, we do it very much in a lot of my shamanic journeys where I will take a client into a safe space of that in their mind they have somewhere safe for their inner child to be comfortable and feel supported and loved but i have never really thought about doing it in the physical before and having that just where you create just an inner child altar and so yeah i mean how many of us still have our baby blankets um everybody everybody now <laughs> i do too so there you go <laughs> Tire wood. That's creepy. <laughs> well, you never had. You never had teeth. Kind of fascinating. It's like more Yeah, what? What is he? Yeah. You know that Crowley used to to take all of his hair trimmings and fingernail trimmings and burn them. What? Look at the way there's the whole other thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, he was afraid of revenge. Yeah. Across those things too, really. But then there could be stem cell stuff with teeth. Anyway. Well, and my dad, my dad definitely kept all my baby teeth, and that's in the back of a clock that it, like it opens in the back of it. Oh, see, it's quite cute because like he just holds on to it, and so it's a little adorable. See, my parents are weird. <laughs> it's they got all our teeth. It to be some tradition, <laughs> someone saving teeth. There's your parents save your teeth. I'm pretty sure they're still there. They, they may be in, you know, ground ground up little pieces, but there is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's somewhere. There's got to be. Uh, there's got to be some. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of reason, ancient reasoning, but love to swap. Well, the tooth fairy. I mean, why? No, why? <laughs> why she kept it? Well, it's interesting, and it's interesting. I'm not a parent, so I don't know why you would want. I don't know. I like teeth. Teeth are cool. I'd collect some kids' teeth, especially if they teeth. <laughs> That's why I said. <laughs> I don't really want. I'll collect other teeth. I don't. I I do I do have a collection of teeth. They are not little kids, though. <laughs> They're animal. They're animals. They're like totem things, like coyote teeth. Yeah. Come on, for the stuff, babes. 
Yeah, sound. We haven't talked about sound. Yeah. Does anyone else use sound in their sacred space? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I keep a crystal bowl in my room, but I also have even in my house uh, Tibetan bowls. So definitely use sound as a way for clearing as well. Um, I find it to be a good like frequency eraser. Uh, so if I do need to raise frequency wherever I have it, um, I definitely use the bowls. Yeah, we have a couple bell, specific bells, like altar bells, that are made for that specific reason. Um, not as pleasant sounding as Tibetan bowls or crystal bowls, <laughs> but... Well, there's even, you know, you people used to do clapping, right? You can yeah. clap to clear energy. It's sure. really just a disruption in the frequencies, right? You're saying, okay, there's this program, you know, this, that's running in this space. The energy is like a program that's running. Yeah, Kelly likes to do that all the time. Disruptive, right? <laughs> so just clapping or, you know. Is that why druids burped? You know? Or is that, it's to expel energy, I know, but. I oh, never heard that one. Hmm. I mean, I know that that would be typically a way to get rid of energy. You know, all energy, but yeah, that would be a, a manifestation. Mm-hmm. Do shame to be worse. Yeah, that's like a sale. Little energy workers I talk to. Since yeah, just like reverse. never people literally never burp unless energy workers. It is really weird. I've never heard of anyone you specifically using a burp for no, yeah, not making themselves. So to say the ABCs. <laughs> That's a talent. <laughs> yeah, like fantasy. I use it often, but you know what? I like I like wind chimes. So we're just gonna yeah. yeah. I like wind chimes. Okay, well, we have still many. Really soon, yeah. I have them outside the doors, mm-hmm. and yeah. And um, in my workspace, I really like um. I really like to set the tone with just really good music. I like when I can control the music, when I can cater the music to my specific mood. Um, helps me get into a good flow state. Yeah. What about you guys? I use Gregorian chants a lot. Yeah. I use a mix. I don't. I don't stick to one specific. I, a lot of people like chants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like one chants. like album that we always put on. Uh, it's on YouTube. I, don't know that it really has it has a specific name but i don't know what it is um but we'll put that on every time whenever we're doing like a whole house cleansing um it's very effective with the yeah using that alongside your other practice yeah and that's you know because it, it there's any any sound at all it's all depending on your intention behind it right so there's certain things that clear space you know like just disrupting the vibration so that you can then replace it with something intentional um you can do that instruments recordings you use you know you can use your own voice too so whether it's saying some sort of prayer doing some sort of chant yourself or just singing and and any note you know just knowing either what specific notes can do what energy they can bring or just what feels really good for you you know there's high notes which help uplift things there's low notes that are grounding and um yeah i attended a seminar many years ago and one of the the key speakers was a woman who wasn't wasn't spiritual you know didn't have any knowledge of of any metaphysics, but she was diagnosed with with cancer, and she was given, you know, like a year to live. And she ended up stumbling across a crystal bowl and started playing it. And then she ended up like creating vocal tones with the bowl. And um, she said she felt like something shift inside of her, and so she started using different bowls and doing different tones. And I mean, it, I mean, she never said that it cured her cancer, but it definitely helped her get through the process. She's cancer free. Well, a lot of ancient meditation practices, you know, whether it's Vedic or Tibetan, um, you know, 
they use chanting. I mean, that's the point of chanting is using your voice as an instrument. So specific words, even a lot of the words in, you know, Native American culture, right? Indigenous people here, they have vocables, mm-hmm. you know, we call it like these certain sounds that that create a certain energy. And so when you're making those sounds yourself, you're definitely tuning yeah. yourself into that. And and it is, you know, a thing that I was trained on in my sound healing certification, you know, that we were taught to tone with, with both the bowl. Yeah. And you can go in tune with them, you can go out of tune with them, you can sing into them, yeah. you can, you know, there's so many, it's just infinite. Super powerful when you hit that resonance and and it, and it hits you deep in, in your diaphragm. The feeling afterwards is really, it's unique. It's unlike any other thing that I've experienced in the energy field. It's because it's you. It's it's like it's coming from inside of you. It's hot. It's embodying yeah. the energy. It's embodying the practice. Well, like ohm, that's not an actual word that sure, is yeah. beforehand. It's not like, you know, that that was just, that's, you know, the grounding, the earth energy, that frequency, that type of thing. So a lot of uh, Vedic chants, at least I know, you know, and of course I'm spacing on the language that it is, but it was a language created specifically for energetics. It's not like people go around speaking that language. It's yeah. just a language for Vedic chants. And, and so it's, it's- Sanskrit's the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have it written down, and I use. I typically can tell you the word, but not right now. So we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's just a language for that. And what I was always fascinated coming from, like a charismatic Christian background, right, going into the practice of chanting through a Vedic tradition, uh, which is what my sound healer training it come, is a part of. It's basically just like praise and worship, right? You're just, yeah. you have this phrase that is meant to mean, you know, has this meaning to it. And you're just saying it over and over and over again. And what you're doing is tuning yourself, tuning the space to that intention. Like well, before, you know, before I had my, my daughter, I was chanting every day, I am love, aham prema, mm. you know? Something. So, <laughs> inside of me, you know? And, and she's always with me now. So, so I did through that practice. Like, that's just a really like blatant example of saying, I, because through that, I was also open, you know? That's something that I will never forget to receive. Um, that Wayne Dyer taught was to just think in your head, love like the word love over and over and over again. Um, and I think he he was talking about you know spending time with you know your significant other or your wife or your spouse or you know family or something, um, but to repeat that over and over and continue to do that and then just watch and see how your life transforms and that's a practice i've I've used for geez 10 11 years now it's true it's very true yeah and it, it can be anything you make up you don't have to go with another tradition like I teach her, you know, try to get her to do mostly because... Can we call your daughter? We can have her. (laughs) My four-year-old to be... We'll have that as show next time. (laughs) She would talk the whole time. (laughs) But we'll sing when we're laying in bed. She has a lot of disrupted sleep and, you know, nightmares. Always has since she was, you know, before she could even speak. And and so we work a lot with her inner world and, and clearing the space all the time and setting that sacred space for sleep for her. And so we will, you know, sing love and blessings. That's what came up to me to do. And she, you know, it's easy for her. And and it's a ritual that we have that she absolutely adores, you know, that we just sit there and lay in bed together and sing love and blessings into the room. And you do feel a shift, you know. Well, I know, I know from that. in your background, I know you have some experience with speaking in tongues as well. Yeah. And, and then... 
I know my grandmother did as well, but she would, she always told me that, you know, oftentimes you'd get one person who would be interpreting someone else Mm -hmm. in the room. And many times it's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. For me, like when I was 11, I spontaneously, you know, started speaking in tongues is, is what they called it. And what I reference point I was given for it um, in a spiritualist church many years later was, you know, that what I was given was a mantra because it is the yeah, word right. like over yeah. and over again. And then there's things like light language, you know, which is another version of speaking. Oh, sure. Right. And and there are people who can interpret light language. Yeah. It's the same. Definitely, definitely the same, just two different But it's, spectrum. you know, in essence, it's a spontaneous, you know, expression of some something, you know, some energy within you. Well, whether it's a, a call, mine is a, is a connection to the divine, that the, the mantra I have, that the energy it creates is the mm-hmm. immediate, you know, connection with, uh, with the divine, whatever that looks like for you. And so I can see the channel open when I do that. Is that something that you still use today or is it? From time to time. Yeah. Now I can just think it and it goes, sure. you know, I don't have to go through the process of it, but. It, yeah. It's like learning how to ride a bike. You yeah. just do it. It becomes a name yeah. after a while. So. Yeah. So different kinds of prayers, different kinds of chanting, singing, music recordings, instruments. I think the something that I kept thinking of and, and forgetting to say was um, oracle cards, you know quotes we all have like quotes right sometimes i have like a chalk marker that i'll write stuff on the bathroom mirror formation there you go that's the word i was trying to come up i'll put mirrors on my altar and draw sigils words or pictures you know things like that if i work paint some word artwork (laughs) but it's an energy that's expressing it it can definitely shift your space yeah words because you think about it we candle in front of us now it says blessings are everywhere (laughs) trying to raise it up not like the cringy popular culture ones that say like home like on your wall live life live life love (laughs) well it it interior design problem with there being crystals at the dollar store it's just fine with me <laughs> popularizing it bringing it more into and available for people <laughs> so yeah so we talked about a lot of different things you know that we can have we talked about images sound crystals herbs sprays um statues art I'd like to add all the things that we forgot to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's so many many topics to talk about. This could be like a part two. This is going to be a big topic. I'm sure we'll touch on it. It's, It's very individual. And I think the most important thing is what we started with, which is intention. Yeah. Yeah. Your intentions must you important. can be your sacred space. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, great. I know I have we talked about wind chimes. I have some in my car. Oh, that's cute. Breaking Tinker. <laughs> I was gonna say that in front of your air vents and you try to crank the air off. <laughs> sacred geometry on their car you know i i actually have a tiny yeah, freshener fairy size wind chime that i might make available if anyone's interested in purchasing it oh yeah definitely. yeah that'd be great so there's you know any any sacred space we talked about our offices our homes we talked about you know our cars we talked about being out in nature you know or visiting commonly accepted you know sacred spaces things like that too that you can create ritual and sacred space when you're out hiking or sitting by the ocean you know we all have instinctively we start to do some type of ritual when we're in places like that even if it's just sitting in a certain spot that feels right and and going into our going within you know so 
Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today to talk about sacred space. Uh, we all have uh, resources available for you on different websites of ours. We created articles, recordings, and videos. And so in the podcast notes, you'll see our link tree that can send you to our different websites and all those different resources for you. And we would love to hear from you, too. How do you create sacred space? Is there anything that you can expand on that we mentioned or something that we didn't come up with today or something you want to hear us talk about yes absolutely give us ideas our email is in the show notes as well perfect thank right. you thank you everybody thank you peace bye bye All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only, based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you, and blessed be.